Why don't you go ahead and grab your seats. Welcome to the house of God. It's great to have you in church today. I'm telling you, like I said earlier, there's nothing I love more than being in the presence of God with the people of God. And his power is available to you today. I promise that he'll touch you if you open your heart to him. And in just a moment, we're going to study the word. I want to say hello to all of our church family meeting in other locations. It's great to have you with us. Welcome, welcome. We love you so very much. Those of you who may be watching online, we love you as well. If you're traveling or just not able to make it to church today, welcome. It's great to have you with us. And then, of course, all the correctional facilities all across the state. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Welcome our church family today. Yeah. Man, it's a special day to be in the house of God because we have a guest with us who literally rescued Kate and I. He's uh, one of the main reasons why we're actually still in ministry today. He and his father-in-law, Billy Hornsby, who's gone on to be with the Lord, at our lowest moment in life when we were ready to give up in ministry and just go into business, Pastor Chris Hodges and Church of the Highlands came alongside of us and invited us to be a part of what God is doing in Birmingham, Alabama, and now all across the state of Alabama. And we're so thankful for him. He has become our pastor. Church of the Highlands was our sending church. So the reason why Itown Church exists today, he's also one of the founding members of ARC, which is the church planting organization that actually came alongside. Their, their Church of the Highlands was the test church for ARC to see if it would work. And then they just have spent all the years after that, since 2000, planting churches around the country. Praise God for 23 years of God's faithfulness and God's hand on Church of the Highlands. Praise the Lord. Pastor Chris just celebrated his 60th birthday and it's 40 years in full-time ministry. And so praise the Lord for that. Isn't that incredible? It's really outstanding. Church of the Highlands has now grown to 26 campuses across the state of Alabama and into Georgia. They ran out of places in Alabama to plant churches. They're like, let's just take on another state, I guess. I don't know. So praise God for that. He is a general in the faith, and so much of what they're doing at Church of the Highlands is shaping not only I-Town, but the body of Christ. Can you stand to your feet and give a great I-Town welcome to my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges. Come on, give Jesus all that praise, everybody. Come on, give him the highest praise, everybody. <laughs> all right. High five your neighbor. Tell him you're looking so fine today. Tell him you're looking so fine. Come on, tell him, tell him, tell him. There you go. There you go, there you go. Turn to your second choice on the other side. Say, you don't look so bad yourself. You know, there's always a second choice, and you made it, right, everybody? All right, so... It's good to see you today. It's always an honor to be at I-Town. Um, I've come for different events and Wednesdays and revival nights, and it's been a long time since I've been here on a Sunday, and it's just so heartwarming, honestly, to walk into this auditorium. In fact, we came about 45 minutes early and seeing the parking lot's already full and seeing you guys worshiping God. Can we just thank God together for what God is doing in this great place? I mean, I hope you know. <laughs> I get a chance to, uh, to get around a little bit. I hope you know this is not normal, okay? So I hope you never get used to the fact that you're a part of something incredibly special. And, uh, and it's because we serve a great God. Amen, everybody? And, uh, but, uh, but it's also, it takes leadership. It really does. And I don't say this because I have to uh, or any other reason other than the fact that it's, I think it's important to recognize the fact that you have, you have some amazing leaders, you know? And I've, 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 I've been doing this for 40 years now, and um, and we planted almost 2,000 churches across America. And, 
uh, and what's happening here under the leadership of Pastor Dave and Kate is remarkable. And I just think it would be great just to take a second and just honor the leadership of our house. Come on, everybody. Show some massive love. <laughs> hey, look at me. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm grateful to God for you. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. All right, but I do want to humble him as well. So we came in yesterday, played golf, and beat him, everybody. Come on. So can't get him, let him get puffed up, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, no, we really did. That really did happen. I, I actually um, <laughs> have to say that because I'm very envious of pastors like him that are, all, that are fit. I mean, if you ever walk back into the, the backstage office that he has, there's workout equipment, okay? In mine, there's candy. Come on, somebody, right? So, and... Um, and I always say that when you, you know, when you get to heaven, you're gonna, you're gonna, if you see Pastor Dave in heaven, you're gonna recognize him because the Bible says that we're gonna have our glorified bodies and his isn't gonna change a bit. <laughs> he might have hair, but that's all, okay? So, but you're not even gonna recognize me. I mean, I'm, anyway, so hopefully there's an improvement on all of this. So anyway, all right. Uh, I bring you greetings from uh, your, your, your family, your home church, um, uh, Pastor Dave's uh, sending church. Church of the Highlands, uh, we love you guys. We keep up with you. We know what's happening here uh, in this uh, part of the country, and uh, we're just, again, very grateful to God for what he's doing. And, uh, and there's a couple of things he probably didn't tell you uh, that you probably should know uh, that might help you <laughs> receive the word of God from me a little bit easier today, and that is um, I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana is what I really am, okay? I, I moved to Birmingham 23 years ago uh, to plant Highlands, but I'm, I'm from South Louisiana, and I always tell people that as a disclaimer, okay? Because you might not learn anything, but we are going to have a good time. Okay, everybody? So, so just lower your expectations. All right, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. And I want to teach a verse, tell a story, and then try to get you guys uh, in some action points of what I believe God wants to do in all of our lives. And so I want to show you this verse. I'm going to read it aloud uh, together. We're going to read it uh, together, and then we're going to, um, then I'm going to teach it, and then we're going to get into uh, a story I want to tell you. So put it up on the screen for me, guys. Go ahead, and let's all read it out loud together. Come on, everybody. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is a very interesting verse, and it makes a theological point that I wanna make today, and then we're gonna get real practical, and I'm a storyteller, so I'll tell you a bunch of stories that'll hopefully help you live out the reality of this verse, but the Bible is saying that we all, with unveiled face, that's a very fancy Bible way to say you have direct access to God. But because uh, in the Old Testament, there was a veil that separated people from God. So don't get hung up on that part of the verse. But it basically says the veil that used to separate God and people is torn. In fact, when Jesus paid for sins on the cross, that's one of the statements that's made is that the veil was torn. Can you see, hear a good amen right there, everybody? So you don't have to go in wondering how you are. It's already been paid for. Uh, past, present, and future, your sins are paid for. And that veil that separates you and God is torn so you don't have to wear it anymore. So we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. And that's an interesting little phrase that I wanna highlight because it says that God's gonna allow you to see some things Things. You're going to look into something, and that is the Word of God in moments like this that we call church, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The word glory in the Hebrew is the word kabod in the Hebrew, and it means the full weight of who God is inside of you. I know that's a lot, 
but it's basically saying that God's gonna give you a, an image of who you can become, the full weight of, of the glory of God inside of your own life. That's what he wants to do, and it's beholding as in a mirror, and if you do see that, look at the next phrase, and that is that we are being transformed. So in other words, when you um, have unveiled direct access to God, God moments like this, you'll see something like you're looking in a mirror and then the next line says, and then we're transformed, we're changed into the thing that we saw, the image, from glory to glory, meaning that it doesn't happen all at once in one moment. It happens incrementally. You're gonna have it happen little bit by little bit. So I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Come on, right, everybody? That there's this glory to glory kind of a moment, okay, that we're changed, we're changed just as by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God means the breath of God, the life of God, the, the fact that God can do some great things in our life. So um, about 50 years ago, I think, or a little bit more than that, there was this girl named Marina Chapman uh, who grew up in Bogota, Colombia, and she lived in a village just outside the outskirts of the city uh, near the jungle. And at four years old, she was playing in the backyard and she remembers, this is an absolute true story, all verified by National Geographic. Documentaries have been done on this story. Uh, when she was four years old, she was playing in the backyard, and she remembers, all she can vaguely remember because she was four years old, was a hood being put over her head, and then some type of chemical that would make her go in and out of consciousness, and her hands tied behind her back, and she was drugged by someone as she would later tell, a man drug her into the jungle. She doesn't remember how, how far into it she was drugged, but it was quite a long way. She's four years old when she's retelling this story. She does vividly remember that as she's being drugged with her hands tied, hood over her head, kind of in and out of consciousness, she remembers the branches of the, the jungle uh, plants and uh, tearing her little arms and her little legs as she's being pulled through. Uh, and as they got her into the jungle, as he got her into the jungle, um, I won't go into the details, but he, he um, tore all of her clothes off of her and did unspeakable things to this precious little girl and, um, and then left her there just to die in the jungle. Um, she somehow was able to get freed from the, from the ropes that had tied her hands and arms and, of course, get the hood off. And you can imagine how horrifying not only just what happened to her, uh, but, the, but the jungle itself being left alone. She didn't know where she was. She just stayed in that one place. She didn't try to, you know, go home. She, she was pretty convinced as she retells the story that someone's gonna come rescue her. Um, she, she, she's, she's, she's sure of it. And then night falls. And you can imagine being in that part of the world, the, the monkeys that were making sounds and the terrors of the night, just the insects and all of the things. And she remembers how horrible that first night was. She wakes up, uh, the next morning, convinced someone's gonna come get me. And she, she stays in that one place and no one comes. Night falls again for the second time. Same terrors. In fact, she talks about how horrifying the second night was as much as the first night because she's now realizing no one is gonna come. When she wakes up the third day, this interesting thing happened, a phenomenon happened. A troop of monkeys um, found her and they circled her and, and they weren't nice, but they weren't hostile. They were kind of like went at her and then retreated and like, are you, you know, are you gonna hurt us? And when they realized she was safe um, and they just kind of ignored her and just started foraging for food on that third day and she just sat there and watched them. In fact, she remembers even watching them lick the dew off the, the leaves and that's how she got her first drink of water, watching the monkeys, how they were actually getting water. 
And, um, and, and, and when they left that, that third day, they left some food that they didn't eat. And she, to this day, doesn't know if that was intentional. Like, were they leaving her food on purpose? All she knows is that was her, that was her first meal. And then they came back the next day, and, um, and she, you know, they were much more friendly and her to them. And, and she's pretty sure, you know, that, um, um, again, this has got to end at some point, but the three days turned into a week, a week, a month, a month, of year. She ends up 10 years in the jungle. She ends up having relationship with these monkeys. And after uh, a few months, because she's only four, her memory is very sketchy. She, she actually believes that this is what her life is. She actually forgets what human existence is really all about. And she's learning from um, these monkeys. It's all verified in a, in a book that she wrote called A Girl With No Name. Um, she, she learned and survived for 10 years with monkeys. No conversation, no human contact. She forgot all her memories of being a human. Uh, she starts to speak the language of the monkeys. She grunts and growls. She even learns how to climb trees. She lives in the canopy. I know this sounds like a make-believe story. This is absolute, I mean, again, this has all been verified. She learns how to live that way to the point where she believes that's who she is. And I want you to hear that because as Pastor Dave reminded us, we, we kind of, in this world today, we live in a jungle life. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Like, we live in a crazy world, right? And if you're not careful, you'll begin to believe that's who you are. And we come to church to remind ourselves that we are who God says we are. Amen, everybody? We, all right. But one day, when she's now 14 years old, she saw something shining in the, in the, in the uh, floor of the jungle, she was up in the tree. She climbs down, and she kind of cautiously goes toward it. And when she gets it, she picks it up, and it had eyes, and she throws it down, and, but it didn't move. And, and she tells the story how she went back to this, this shiny thing that had eyes and picks it up again, and she realizes those eyes are her eyes. She'd found a mirror in the bottom of the jungle floor, and it was the day that she realized, I don't know who I am, but I know I'm not a monkey. Because I don't look like them. It was the first time she got a glimpse of who she was supposed to be. She got what I call a mirror moment. A moment that whatever happens at varying degrees, 2 Corinthians says, from glory to glory, we have moments in church when we read our Bibles, when we pray, when we're around other believers, that we catch a glimpse of who we are supposed to be. Had a girl, um, Pastor Dave, not just a few months ago, uh, came up to me between services and, and said, hey, I'm new, to, I'm new to Highlands and I really, really, really like it. I, she said, I just got one question for you. I said, what's that? She goes, if I come here, are you gonna try to change me? And I said, oh, yes. <laughs> And I hope it changes me. <laughs> I hope it changes everybody. And what people don't realize is that that is the essence of the gospel is change. We are, come on, somebody say a good amen, everybody. I'm kind of tired of people saying, this is who I am. And because really, we're not supposed to focus on so much on who we are, but on who we can become. The whole essence of the gospel is, everybody say change. 
that when you catch a glimpse, we're supposed to be transformed into that image with this ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Every part of the gospel says that I don't move God toward me, I move me toward God. I'm changed. And so I just want to encourage every one of you, it's a very simple message today that now I'll give you some practical steps toward but that the essence of being a part of this church family doesn't mean I'm going to stay who I am and I'm just going to ask God to assist me, help me, and, and actually just make me better. The whole essence of the gospel is on who we can become, the image of God. We, beholding as in a mirror, we see the glory of God, the full weight of who God is inside of us, and we are transformed into that image with this ever-increasing glory by the Spirit of God. This is this is, the, this is the essence of what Christianity is all about. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. I'm not gonna take the old you and just forgive it. I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna make you into a brand new image. Amen, everybody, are you understanding that? Okay, so what I love to do, one of my favorite things to do, Pastor Dave and Kate know this, what I love to do is not so much preach to people, but just to make sure they know what that, that journey could look like. In fact, I tell our church in Alabama uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm not so much a preacher, I'm a tour guide. And I'm, I'm gonna show, I'm your tour guide. I'm gonna take you on a journey to show you what you could see. And for a lot of you, you didn't even know this was there. It's like going into a place you've never been. And if you try to do the tour on your own, you're gonna miss some stuff. But if you get with a local who's lived there their whole life, or better yet, a tour guide, they're gonna show you some things you would have missed. And that's what I wanna do today. Does it sound good, everybody? All right, all right. Because there there, there's going to be, let me just say, there's going to be a lot of journeys along the way. So there's a lot of things that God wants to do in your life. But there are four absolutes that we're all going to experience. Or let me say it this way, we all have the potential to experience. And I want to give those four to you. And then you'll have some of your own as well. And, and, the, first, and the first one is, is that you can be saved. You can be saved. So that means that you're, you may not, may not know this, but you're, but you're lost. Without God, you're lost but you can be actually can be saved. And a lot of people have a misconception of what, that's, what that is. I actually had that misconception. I was raised in church. I, I was actually, again, born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and my parents were church people, very, very good church people. And, um, and my dad played the organ in the church. Mom sang in the choir, and I sat in this section right over here with my grandmother. And, um, and, and, I, and she, <laughs> she used to pull our head down into her lap and let us chew gum because dad didn't let us, but we had to have it below the pew level so he couldn't see it anyway. <laughs> Just fun story. So, um, so I was actually I was actually in church the Sunday after I was born, and I'm 60 years old now, and I've never missed a Sunday in church my entire life. I've always been in church my whole life. And don't clap or say, "Well, I hated half of it." Okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> I only went because my mom and dad made me. Okay, uh, but when I was seven years old, in the Baptist tradition, they have a little communion table in the front, and you walk the aisle and you shake the preacher's hand if you want to do the response, kind of the altar call. They called it. And so they would, the choir would sing something like, just as I am, like at the Billy Graham crusades, you know, and pastor would sit, stand out in the front and he'd say, might there be one? And uh, so at seven years old, I was thinking, you know, I'm seven, but I ain't stupid. Um, I don't want to go to hell. So I, um, I, got out of the, I got out and went to the front, shook the preacher's hand, and he had me repeat a prayer that I repeated. And then he handed me a clipboard with a card on it, and I signed the card. 
And then in the Baptist tradition, they're congregational. They vote on everything, including church membership. So they had to vote you in. I had to be voted into the church at that moment, and I'm happy to report it was unanimous. And so... Um, <laughs> And then you get baptized, uh, water baptized that night. That's, that, that was the tradition. And that was the day I always tell people I met my church, but I didn't meet God. And so I thought I was, I thought I was a Christian because I joined the club. And I want to make sure that, that those of you who may or may not know what the essence of the gospel is, I just want to take a couple of minutes before I get into the other three things that can happen in your life where there can be change. Let me just make sure you understand this one. And that is that this is not a club. This is not a religion. This is not a denomination. We're not a religion, we're a relationship, everybody. What God is really looking for is you, okay? And I wanna tell you what that is gonna look like very quickly, I'll read it to you out of Revelation chapter 20. There's gonna be a moment that I as a pastor am prepared, I am, I am responsible to prepare you for, okay? And, it's, and it looks, I'm gonna show you what it looks like because you're gonna have this. You say, well, I don't believe it. That's not gonna change the fact that you're gonna have this. You're gonna, you're gonna have this moment before God and I'm responsible that no matter what you decide, at least you were prepared for it, that there's gonna be a great white throne, this is Revelation 20, and him who was seated on it, that's Jesus. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no more place for them. In other words, time ended. And I saw the dead, great and small. That means everybody from Adam and Eve to when the whole thing ends, standing before the throne, and watch this, and books were open. And then another book was opened. Please notice with me that there are books and there's a book, all right? There's the two pile. There's a pile of books, and then there's a single book, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had been had done, as recorded in the books. So there's two <laughs> there's two realities that happen in this moment, and that is your life is going to be judged, but will it be judged by the books or the book? Now the books is everything you've ever done, thought, from the time you lived to the time you died. Everybody say, uh-oh. All right, it's in there. <laughs> so sorry, aren't you glad you came to church today? All right, so it's in there. It's recorded. It's all recorded. <laughs> everything you ever did, all right? I know, it's sad, right? You're thinking, oh, my, I hope my mama doesn't read those. Okay, so all right, so, okay. But then there's a singular book, okay, that when the day you surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus the Bible says that your name is recorded in this book. And there's going to be two ways everybody's going to be judged, either by what everything you did or did not do, good or bad, or by what Jesus did as recorded in that book. Now, I just got a piece of advice for you. You don't want to be judged according to the books because you're not going to pass, okay? It's not going to work out for you very well because you can't be good enough. You say, well, I've really, I've really I've turned my life around. It doesn't matter. Uh, unless you are completely perfect from, from beginning to end, that's the only thing that will qualify you if you're going to go the book's route. But that's why Jesus came and said, I will pay for everything you did or thought past, present, and future and pay for it so that you can stand before God and have a zero balance to your human life account. Somebody say amen right there. Okay. Which, which if you're a smart person, you're asking, well, then how do I get it in there? Right? Okay. And the, and the answer is very simple. It's relationship. So when I finally gave my life to Jesus, I was 15 years old, and, um, and I'd gone to, the first time I'd gone to a, a life, I call it a life-giving church. I, I brand the experience that you had today life-giving, meaning I felt something, I experienced something, and it, they, you know, they, it was just different. And, uh, and, and the first time I experienced that, I was 15 years old. I'd never seen people worshiping God before, like with their hearts, especially teenagers. And when I saw it, 
That's what led me to Jesus. I can't, I don't even know who preached, much less what they preached. The message hurts my feelings. The message did not help me that day. I was, I was standing around watching Christians in love with God. I'd never seen that before. And I thought they were nuts, and I wanted what they have. You know, as, as I had both, and there are probably some of you in this room that maybe have had that feeling, like, what in the world's going on here? This is crazy, and I think I want this, you know? This looks genuine, looks real to me. These people really do, like, really do love God and trust God and have that peace that Pastor Dave talked about. Like, I want all of that. When I experienced that, I went home that night, and because I was a good Baptist, I knew my Bible. I didn't know God, but I knew my Bible real well. And, um, and, I, and I actually led myself to the Lord that night in my bedroom. So I, I grabbed my Bible and I said, I don't know if I can trust my church or this new church, but I'm gonna figure out how a person gets to heaven. In fact, I wasn't even gonna read the Bible, I was just gonna read the words of Jesus. So I had a red letter edition of the Bible. I don't know if you know what that is, but where the words of Jesus were in red ink and the rest of them were in black ink, so I just read the red. I just like skipped all the black. You know, let's go straight to what Jesus has to say. And I started in the book of Matthew where his life begins, right? And you'd only get about three pages in where Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. To which I thought, well, that's a problem. Because <laughs> that's what they told me to say. They, they told me to say, call him Lord, you're in the club. And now Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 not everyone who calls me Lord is gonna go to heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is, is in heaven, and many on that day will prophesy, cast out devils, and do miracles, and still not make it in the club. And I thought, well, that's a problem. And he says, then I will tell them plainly, away from me, because I never knew you. And it was the first time that I realized that the condition for eternal life had nothing to do with coming to I-Town Church, or getting baptized, or being nice, or being forgiven, or having Bibles, or praying, or being kind, or generous, it was all about being in a relationship with Jesus. And I just want to tell you, I want to tell you that because I don't want you to get to heaven saying, hey, I didn't know. No, 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 now you know that he's looking for relationship, not religion. Are you listening to me, everybody? It's the moment. It's a mirror moment. It's a moment that I'm trying to help you see so you can change, that he's not looking for your church attendance. And we're glad... All that is important, the Bible, the prayer, the serving, the giving. Not that's important, but we don't do those things to get into heaven. We do those things because we're going to heaven. We do those because we're already, yeah, we love Jesus. Are y'all following me, everybody? Okay. This is very important for you to understand. And I'm trying to give you a glimpse. I just tried to give you a glimpse of something, hoping that you'll go, you know what? I need to, I need to be trans. I'm going to change, and I'm going to get into a real relationship with God. That's, that's the first one. The second one is very, very cool. And that is the second mirror moment that God wants all of you to kind of see. And I'm going to try to just give you a glimpse today so you'll go on the journey. And that is that you can be healed. And what I mean by healed is that I'm not talking about your sicknesses, although that can be on the list. Healing happens for every disease, every place you are dis-eased, every place you're not at ease. Pastor Dave already talked about some of you long for just like real peace. Like I'm, I'm going through a lot and I need real peace. You need to know that the Bible and a relationship with God offers a healing of your soul, not your circumstance. Can't change your circumstance, but he can change your soul, where even in the middle of your circumstance, you have real peace. Are you following me, everybody? And I'm talking about, I'm talking about a peace from your pain, your past, your problems, and your people. I'm talking about every place where life has not been great, he can, he can make that thing right. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says it this way. He says that um, um, 
God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become. Notice it's a process that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness does not mean perfect and holy. Righteousness means right. He makes it right. He makes the wrong things right again in your life. He heals your heart. He heals what's going on inside of your life. And you just need to know that there's an opportunity for you, especially if you get involved in this great church, uh, to not only just attend on a Sunday and enjoy the amazing preaching of Pastor Dave Sumrall and the even better preaching of Pastor Chris Hodges. Isn't that right? No, I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> no, it's much more than that. It's to get involved in the life of the church and know someone in this church and walk through a process of being healed. You say, how does that happen? James 5 tells us to confess our sins or our faults not to God. Confess them to another person, to each other, and pray for each other, and you'll be healed. So we do confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to God's people to receive healing. What does that mean? That means that at some point, our hope is, is that you would catch this glimpse in a mirror that your life could be a whole lot better if you had the courage to take your mask off and say, hey, let me tell you what's really going on in my life. And let them pray for you. And you're thinking, that sounds so risky. They're going to go, <gasps> when they hear my story. And they're not. They're going to go, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. And you just need to know you're in a very safe place of people that are all in the same hospital. Few of us got here a little earlier than you, but we're all still being healed. Come on, say amen right there. We're in a, we're in a place where... And the reason why I'm telling you this is I don't want you to go through your life keeping it if you don't have to. <laughs> Too many people are settling for the version of them that they knew if that version of them wasn't in them, their life would be better, but they're settling for it. I guess I'll always be angry. I guess I'll always be an addict. I guess I'll... No, you don't. You can be healed. Amen, everybody? I'm just trying to give you... <laughs> I just want you to catch that glimpse. I just want you to catch a glimpse that there is a version of you that you can have if you allow God to heal your life. I'm just letting you know, you don't have to be a monkey anymore, everybody. Hey, everybody, you ain't no monkey. You know, Marina talks about that once she saw the mirror, she was never satisfied with monkey life. So she went back. She had to go back because she didn't get rescued. By the way, it was several years later, uh, months later, that she actually got rescued by a, a group of hunters who unfortunately actually took her into prostitution. She was able to get out of it, and now she lives in England um, with her, and she has grandchildren, and their favorite pastime is climbing trees. Come on, somebody. So, all right. So. <laughs> She's really good at it, even as a grandma, which, which makes her a very fun grandma. All right, so. Look at me, look at me, look at, look at me. Come on. I always wanted to say mud sock. I just wanted to say those two words. That just sounds so fun to say, mud sock. Mud sock, watch me. I've, Two words I never thought would come out of my mud sock. Watch me, okay, everybody? It's just, I don't know. Look at me. I'm serious though now. Look, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for that part of your life that you know if it wasn't in your life, your life would be so much better. You can be healed. Just want to give you that glimpse. I want you to see that. The third one that I know that God wants to do in your life is that uh, it's a mirror moment that some of you have had and not everybody, so I'm just here to let, make sure you at least catch a glimpse of the mirror today. And that is you're called, like you're called, like you're really called. There's a call of God on your life as much as mine or Pastor Dave and Kate or anybody else that there's a calling on your life, meaning that God puts you in his grand design. 
and there's a spot for you in the puzzle, and the puzzle can still look like something without your peace, but it would look better with your peace. So, and your peace is your peace. There, there, there's not a replacement piece for your peace. We need you in the game. And you can't do that until you get a glimpse of the fact that you're called. Ephesians says it this way, for we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. Notice we're changed. We're created anew. We're changed so that we can do the good things that he has planned for us to do. That's why Pastor Dave gets up here and talks about the foster care conference. What is that? That's a group of people who are going to take their day instead of mowing grass and going to ball games or whatever, or watching TV all day. They're going to say, I wasn't here just to survive. I was here for significance, and I'm going to do something with my life that impacts the life of somebody else. That's why. And check it out. Don't take my word for it. Talk to the people who come. They're happier people. <laughs> Because everybody who knows what their purpose is are the happiest people. Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days of your life, the day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. And for some of you, you never found out why you were born. You know why? Because you can only find it in one place. And that's the one who created you in the first place, which is why I love my job, everybody. Because <laughs> you can go try everything, but you're going to have to come back to really find real fulfillment. It, it's here. It's in God's word. He made you on purpose. Romans 12 says that we all have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. So in other words, God has a grace gift on your life. He has a unique ability for your life that if you did this, you would love your life. And I'm just letting you have a mirror moment. I'm trying to create a, a, a shiny thing in the bottom of your jungle floor today to say you don't have to be a monkey. You can actually get out of that tree and go do something with your life and make a difference, but you got to find out what it is. Are y'all with me, everybody? I heard, this story, I heard this story years ago. This is so funny. I was actually reading the newspaper, and it was a dog track. Okay, I did a dog racing, and I've never been to a dog track, but I've seen it on Bugs Bunny. Come on, somebody, all right? So... But, but, but what they do at the dog track, uh, uh, different than horses, horses, you get on them, you kick them, and they go, right? So how do, you don't ride dogs, but they, it's the same deal. They betting on them running around the track. So what makes them go is this mechanical rabbit. It's not real, but it's on the rail, and they release it a little early, about, you know, 10 feet ahead, and, and this mechanical rabbit is what they're, ch they're chasing, a, a mechanical rabbit. They think it's real. So they release the rabbit, and then they let the, all the greyhounds out, and they, they're going after this mechanical rabbit. Well, in this particular story, the mechanical rabbit ex, uh, uh, had a malfunction and explode. <laughs> and, 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 and fur, fake fur and wires went everywhere. And, and the article said that the dogs didn't know what to do because they didn't have anything to chase. And one of them got so disoriented, he actually ran through the railing and broke some ribs. Another one just laid down on the track, took a nap. Another one looked up into the stands, all the people who were betting on them, and just barked at them. And when I read that, I thought, that's exactly what people do when they don't have something to chase. They hurt themselves, take a nap, or bark at everybody else. You know, they're just, they're just, and you need to get out of the jungle. <laughs> and come on, hey, do something with your life. I'm just telling you, these are mirror moments that you can have. These are, these are steps waiting for you. If you're, if you, if you, if you're still living your life uh, out of the books, I'm encouraging you to, to make a change today and get it in the book. I'm encouraging you, don't live with that junk in your life. Be healed. I'm encouraging you to find the unique thing that you're called to do 
so that you can do this last mirror moment that I'm sure of that God wants for you, and that is that you're sent. You're sent. Like, you're, like, you, like you, 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 you don't just know it, you do it. So you can't do it until you know it. So you're called first, but then you, you got to go do it. Jesus' final prayer for the church in the Garden of Gethsemane is recorded in John 17. And he said this. He says, just in the same way as you sent me into this world, Father, I'm going to send my church into this world. I'm, we're going to get out there, and we're going to do something. It's, look at my eyes, everybody. Come on, mud sock. <laughs> and is it Bluffton? Bluffton. They're Bluffton. It's time for you to do something. Like, don't sit there. Don't watch the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. And when you do, and when you do, Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Real Christians, real Christians bear fruit. Watch this. He says, and I told you this so foster care kids could have a mom or a dad. No. I told you this so, um, so hungry people could have a meal. No, he didn't say that. Now, that's why we do it. He said, but I told you this so that my joy may be in you. You know what that means? That when you help somebody, it not just helps them, it helps you. My joy's in you. And that joy's complete. And I came from sweet home Alabama today to remind you that you don't have to settle for jungle life. Like there are some steps and you're not, we're not inviting God into our story. We're changed and we go into his story. I'm so tired of the world saying, well, I just accept me like I am, and God just helped me live who I am. And he says, no, 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 the essence of the gospel is we're changed because you were never intended for jungle life, everybody. No, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm called, and I'm gonna get out there and, and do something. So um, I'll, I'll close with this final little story. <clears throat> When I drive home every day from the, from the office, I drive down the busiest street in Alabama. It's called Highway 280. And when I, it's, it's six lanes um, highway. And then there's a point where I have to take, get in this left turn lane. It's a double left turn lane. And that's where I head over off the highway and into my part of the neighborhood and all that, right? And some of you probably do the same thing. But this, I know, I, I'm at this light every day of my life, okay? And I know this light. I know it really well. I know how many cars can get through one light cycle if everybody will go. You know, like I just need, can I just say that? All right, all right. <laughs> need you to go. And, and, and before you think too much of me, I, I have a lot of qualities, honestly. I'm a, I'm a very, I, I consider myself a quite godly person, but I do not have patience and I'm barely saved in a car. Come on, somebody, right? Just barely. I'm barely saved. And Tammy hates it. My wife is the sweetest. I mean, she's the sweetest in the world. And I'm a honker. I mean, I, I like, eh. and she goes, don't do that. They probably go to our church. I'm like, well, good. I'm their pastor. They learned something. You know, it's like, you know, so this, we have this all the time. Even when she drives, I, I reach over, eh. she goes, stop it, stop it. You know, she, she hates it. I'm, I'm a honker. All right. And I'm here and I noticed that the car in front of me in the light the other day, I noticed she's sitting there. And I noticed the head was down. I could tell the long hair. I'm just going to assume it was a girl. I saw the head down, and I, and I saw the arms up to the face. And she took the occasion that was a red light to look at Instagram or text somebody. I knew this was going on. And I'm thinking, it's going to turn green. She ain't going. 
she's not gonna go. And I'm gonna miss this light. And I'm wanting to honk. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to. But I got Tammy's, she wasn't there, but I was feeling particularly convicted that day. I was hearing her voice in my head, don't do it, don't do it. And so the light turned screen and, um, and, and, there, and she didn't go. And so I went, I did the polite version of honking. I went, beep, beep. You know, you know the little beep, beep, just the little, did it, did it. That's the nice version. And she looked up and looked around and went, uh, and, it, and, and, and finally took, and we, we missed the light. We missed the light. Um, when I'm preaching like this today, because I want you to like me, I want you to want me back, I, I give you the beep, beep version of the story. Because it's rude. It's rude to go, Phew. it's rude. That's rude. So I don't do that. In my head, though, um, let me tell you what I would say if I was giving you that version, but I'm not saying it, okay? I'm... <laughs> if I said it in the, this version, here's how it would sound. Seriously, you're going to pay for your own sins. Seriously. You're going to stand before God and you want to be judged by what you did? Are you crazy? Now, that would be way too rude. It's just so I'm getting, you know, so you got the other version. Or really, you're going to live another year with that addiction? You're gonna, you're gonna stay drunk, you're gonna stay addicted, you're gonna stay taking pills, you're gonna stay mad, you're gonna stay unforgiven, you're gonna hate your mom still another year. You're gonna do, really? Are you serious? Realizing you're not punishing them, you're punishing you. But that's way too forward when you're, so, beep beep. Okay, so you. <laughs> and you're gonna live your life and you don't wanna know of the one who created you what your spot is? So you're gonna just go try to make money thinking that's gonna do it? You'd rather have a career than a calling? And you just wanna watch the game. You're just gonna watch it. You're gonna watch all the players build campuses, giving offerings, serving children's minutes. Like, you're just gonna watch them. All right, well, help yourself, man. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to let joy be complete inside of me by serving God. That's what I'm going to do. But I wouldn't dare say that because it's too. But I will tell you this. Look at my eyes. The light's green. So all the four of those, you can do them today if you choose to because you've been given a mirror moment. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? You got it? All right. Just bow for prayer. Let's bow for prayer. So be very still, very quiet just for a second because people will make decisions of faith right here in this room. And for, for many of you, you need to decide that first one. In fact, that's the most important one. You can't do all the rest if you don't do this first one. But if you're here today and you say, I don't know if I'm ready to stand before God. I don't know if I'm ready. You say, Pastor, what would I have to do? You are one heartfelt prayer away from that being a reality. And you do it, say, how do I do it? Tell him, be the Lord of my life. Tell him to have control of my life. And if you're ready for that today, I wanna pray for you. And I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna call you down to the front. But you need to let heaven know at all of our locations, you need to let them know, I'm making that decision today. And so get ready, I will ask you one time. If you're here today and when we close this final prayer and you're saying, I'm letting God know, I'm ready to let my life be judged out of a book instead of a bunch of books. And I'm ready to give him my life and surrender my life to the control of Jesus Christ, making my Lord, or for some of you to make him your Lord again because you've walked away. 
Make your mind up. If that's you, very quickly slip your hand up right now. Put it right back down. That's me. That's me. Yep, 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 yep. All over this room. Literally all over this room. Hands are lifted. And if you lifted your hand in this room, thank you. Good. See it? Good. So they're still lifting. Thank you. Yep, yep. Anybody else? I didn't see. Good. Awesome. It's awesome. It's my favorite part of the service. I want you to just whisper these words right there where you are. Just say them out loud in your heart. Just say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sin. And today I receive what you did for me on that cross. And you gave me everything. So it only makes sense for me to give you everything my whole life. I surrender my life completely to you. Everything. Say it this way. Say, be the Lord of my life. Now make this confession. Say, I believe you're the son of God. And I believe you died and rose again. And today, I put my faith in you. In your name I pray, amen. Church, put your hands together and congratulate the newest members of the body of Christ. Come on. Come on, can we honor Pastor Chris? Amazing. Thank you so much for joining iTown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or, of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now, for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon, and God bless.